Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, happy three-year birthday. Three-year three anniversary. Yeah. We, we made three it. Anniversary? Three-year anniversary. That's the one. This is... This is our episode where we celebrate three years having been doing this crazy thing. Yeah. 156. That's a lot of beers y'all have heard open. <laughs> I, I try to think of it like in context of like time spent preparing, time actually behind the microphone, time in audacity doing post-production. Like all those numbers feel a lot different than 156 episodes. Let me figure, let, let's say we'll get it to an average of, there's some we haven't put a lot of effort into, some we've recorded three times. I think we can probably average it out to eight to 10 hours yeah, an yeah. episode. That sounds right. In the way of man hours of research and actual recording and post-production. So that's like 1,550 yeah, hours. we're not even close to the 10,000 hour mark of being experts, and maybe that's our problem. <laughs> <laughs> so if we only do this for 20 years, we'll be experts. So cheers to cheers. A, a three-year anniversary. Yeah, thanks Thanks for doing this with me. It's been thanks, really fun. Thanks for doing it with me. And we're done after this, though, right? Mm-hmm. This is the last episode? This is it. Surprise. Okay. We, we hit our goal. Our wives said we couldn't <laughs> make it last for three years, and we did, so <laughs> it's been real. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm doing well, man. I'm uh I'm uh I'm kinda tired. I, I made this sort of last minute decision to buy airfare to New York for wind up next weekend. And that's been um it's kind of making me a little anxious. Like I, it's not really my style to like last minute plan a trip. I've got crazy <laughs> stupid flights. Um I don't have like a place to stay. That's not true. I do have a place to stay, but it was like bought the airfare and then found a couch to sleep on type of deal. So uh, that's made me a little anxious and it makes this week feel a little like cramped and high, uh, high gravity. Makes sense. I couldn't make it work for work. Otherwise we would just really, really dive into the city that never sleeps thing and just, <laughs> just be up for the weekend. But yeah, I couldn't make it work. So uh, it'll be a miss for me this year. That's right. I'm going, man. I'm I'm doing it. I'm going to do it real. So how are you doing? Good. We're, you know, we have a surprise four-day weekend for our school district. So I'm a little bit tired after having had, I forgot it was a four-day weekend. So I got up this morning, like Mark was ready to go to school. I was putting him out the door. To come to my house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Sam came down the stairs like, what are you doing? I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> He doesn't have school today. I was like, oh, all right, bud, take your shoes off, go play with Legos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was good to go. So I'm just a little, I'm, I had an unexpected loss of day of weekend. So that's just whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I'm good. Good. Yeah. Well, can we get this thing started? Yeah, let's get this thing started because we've got some fun guests. Uh, so, so let me do the math here. Uh, 80 episodes ago, we last had. Wes wow. and Colin from Notice On. So 80, so so that's a full year, a year and a half. It's been a year and a half. Wes and Colin. Welcome back. Welcome back. 
It's good to be back, and uh, congratulations on three years. That's, uh, I mean, especially to have a conversation with the same person week in and week out. Colin and I are really good friends, but I, I would not be able to do this with him for that long. Hey. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I, I think he's offering a, I think he's offering to sell. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> hey, Wes, remember our three-year anniversary for... Uh... For notice, because I don't. Yeah, I remember one, one, two, three, and four. I think we turned five soon. Jeez, time yeah. flies. Time flies. Yeah, no, but but seriously, congrats on uh, on three years. Kudos for uh, for all the work you guys have done. Yeah, no, I think it's like one of those things. Like I've also brushed my teeth for almost forty years worth of days in a row right like we just keep doing it i'm not sure that we're you doing your anything teeth every day it, mostly <laughs> <laughs> you, you know uh no it, we really appreciate it you know you we we actually i think personally both of us uh cut our teeth on your watches i think your mm-hmm. notice watches um, among some other brands obviously uh were like the things that made us excited about even doing this thing so uh, thank you for that uh, to the, you know, not small part you guys have played in the formation of this thing. Absolutely. And um, and for dropping cool releases all the time. So we have something to keep talking about. <laughs> we're trying. <laughs> we're doing what we can. Um, last time we spoke, you guys were not officially a part of Watch Clicker. So congrats on that, too. I don't think I ever got a chance to uh, to say that out loud. Yeah, that's right. You know, we had Cameron on the show mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say it was like episode 102, so we were uh, fairly newly minted. Uh, the merger was fairly newly minted at that mm-hmm. point, but yeah, that's right. We were we were pre-merger when we had. In fact, I don't even think the merger had been uh, the the seed had been planted at that point. Yeah, I don't think so. So yeah, pretty cool. Uh, that's been you know it's it's been so long. It feels like Andrew just gave me a jaw drop look. Like, can that possibly be true? Because it feels <laughs> like we've been. Yeah, the Watch Clicker podcast for forever, but yeah, only a little bit under half of our life is a podcast. Yeah, I mean, we were just talking about this on the uh, the previous episode, or not episode, previous podcast an hour ago with uh, Watches and Whiskey about how COVID was just like a huge time warp. Now we don't know when what happened or what happened where or why or how. So it's it's been a pretty interesting eighteen months to say the least. That's what happens when you don't ever have to get dressed. When you live in pajamas, <laughs> days just blend into into weekends, and weekends blend into work days, and nothing makes sense. Yeah, you, you know, Wes. I think the last time we had you on the show, you were marooned. Yeah, mm-hmm. you were marooned back home on a lovely balcony. I may add, not that anyone saw that, but us. But uh, you're stateside now. It's good to be home. Yeah, <laughs> and you've been home for quite a while. Yeah, obviously, yeah, but. Yeah, that was a that was a very interesting trip because I was um, I I went to Europe first, and then COVID wasn't there yet. I don't think, but as soon as I left Scotland, COVID just blew up over there. And then I went to KL, Hong Kong, and Singapore for a for a notice tour down there, and COVID wasn't there. I mean, it was there, but it was under control. And then when I left to or when I tried to leave is when COVID started blowing up. So I got stuck in you know, in Macau where my parents lived. There's a pattern there, months. don't you think? Yeah, yeah we mentioned that I think even at the time. Yeah, <laughs> just leaving leaving breadcrumbs behind. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, uh, I remember, I think it was just a little bit before we met last time, but you guys talking about <clears throat> going to wind up, you guys had planned to go to the San Francisco wind up the 2020 San Francisco wind up. And I remember you guys were one of the very few brands that was sort of actively talking about, here's how we're going to do this. We're going to do this thing that is uncertain we don't know what this looks like and here's our plan for how to do it and of course uh as it would go wind up would be canceled you know pretty pretty close to the event um and that didn't happen but um you know here we are now 18 19 months later and i'm going to wind up in new york and mm -hmm. i what i still don't see i still don't see brands talking you know new york has some different laws regarding covid so where we are um masks are very much mandatory in oregon <clears throat> right this oregon land of the hippie uh masks are very much mandatory if you're indoors and, and and more than being mandatory i think that custom just dictates that if you're around people you you're wearing a mask by and large uh, going to New York where Chelsea market, I don't think masks are required as of today. Um, and I don't know what that's going to look like. I'm obviously going to be in a mask the entire time just because that's my, my, my personal predilection. But, you know, here we are 18 months later sort of reengaging and I still don't see the type of thought going in and, and, and maybe, Maybe that's unfair, right? Because certainly people are thinking about this and people are going, and, and we're more used to it too. Mm -hmm. We sort of know how it's going to go. We know what good behaviors are. But I still, you know, that's a concern, right? I'm going to go to New York and I'm going to shove myself in a room with a whole bunch of people who I don't know and who I'm not able to verify their habits or their courtesies or just even their ability to not be an idiot. Mm -hmm. um, and the plan seems loose, um, I believe I spoke to Blake about this actually, but I believe that there is a vaccine requirement. I'm not sure if there's a mask requirement, but I, I it, think there's a vaccine it, requirement. One dose. One dose. Okay. One dose vaccine requirement and no burn off, yeah. I don't think. So you mm. can right. theoretically get vaccinated a single dose the day before. So mm. um, well, I'm, yeah, fully, Colin, I'm fully vaccinated and that's some peace yeah. of mind. But Cullen and I chose not to go partially because it's. You know, we, we don't know. That's a big part of why. We don't really know what's what the status is with COVID. We don't know what the requirements are going to be. Um, you know, on top of that, we, we are pretty busy with the sector. So I think we just figured at this point, it's like th this might be the one windup that we miss. Um, that being said, we are super excited for San Francisco because we can only assume if New York is going on, then next year, San Francisco. And hopefully the, the one in Chicago in the summer will happen as well. Yeah. Also, yeah. like being behind the booth, you're there three for three days for the entire day. So you're just sucking in all that good air. Uh, I don't yeah. I personally if <laughs> if I was behind the booth, I did not want to be wearing a mask because that's then yeah. I like I already look unapproachable as it is. So if you put a mask on me, you, you can't see that I'm smiling. And then it just deters and, 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 and you know, people just want to run away. So for me personally, like I would like to be able to not wear a mask. But if I don't do that, I probably, I, I won't feel comfortable being in there for three days straight uh, with yeah, God knows how many people. So uh, definitely on my part as well, like it's uh, pass on that one for, for this time. Hopefully it's, SF will be a bit better, but honestly, who knows? Yeah. 
Pit, yeah. pit viper sunglasses might correct that unapproachability with a mask on. Yeah. Just some like pink glazed pit vipers that could do it. That'll turn the unapproachability into just unapproachable. Yeah. <laughs> Colin, I will say you're you are the mean cop for sure. You're you're the bad cop. Wes is the good cop. You're the bad cop. You think so? Although I don't think that I, I do think so. Yeah, I, yeah. You you have the more serious, like the more intimidating glare. I mean, it's called it's the, called an RBF. Yeah, <laughs> you that you have yes. that. It's a medical La- condition. Effort. Last week, um, <laughs> last week we threw a party, a uh, cocktail party outdoors um, for a bunch of Notice insiders, and um, a couple of people flew in from Chicago, and he he came up to me and he's like. We, we'd never met before, but he said to me, I'm really glad to finally meet you in person. But what I was really looking forward to is, is seeing Cullen because you keep him in a cave chained up to his workbench for years on end and he never gets to see anyone you know, He's not uh, on any podcast. Wes, we, so we recorded a video of this event and then I actually caught that dialogue on the video. It was really funny. Oh, you but, did? Uh, oh, perfect. It's a, it's a running gotta, joke. You got to put that in the... It's a running joke that I think... Yeah, it's a running joke that Wes started saying that he he keeps me locked up in in the in the cave cuz like I personally I'm not as social as West or like as front facing cuz uh, I just prefer to be in the background I like doing my own work I like being quiet and stuff like that so uh and someone has to do some work right cuz he's running a watch <laughs> yes unfortunately uh but so West is always talking to people and I'm I'm usually the one like I don't go on social media as much uh so West That's why you don't up. know what the joke is i know the joke i hear it <laughs> but uh yeah strangers pass you in the street oh he's yeah. loose <laughs> yeah but uh i love talking to people when when they're there uh i just try to smile as much as possible otherwise i might scare them away <laughs> <laughs> well you guys have been busy right notwithstanding covid and numerous delays out of um, the manufacturing hubs of the watch industry, you know, which we've talked about in other contexts quite a bit, right? Um, in this last year, you know, how production is, there's just lots of stuff. There's, there's energy rationing that's happening in China, which is causing manufacturing delays. There's lots of stuff. You, you guys seem to have really hit a very nice rhythm in terms of your ability to continue to bring products to market um, have products on the website. I can tell by Colin's sort of half sigh um, that there's some frustration there. But how have you guys been able to make it through this last year and a half, um, continuing to, like I said, to to have SKUs on your website and product available? And new product. You're not just maintaining what's already there. You're, you're still dropping new stuff. This energy thing kind of came out of nowhere. So... A lot of what we are doing now, like the, I think the dives are right around the corner, right? The sector dives, we're, we're going to bring that in in a couple weeks. Yes. But those are delayed because of the energy uh, crisis and the sector pilots. We don't even have those listed on the website yet. People don't know what colors or what the changes are from the old version to this version. Also because of the energy crisis going on there. Um, but for, for context, for anyone listening who isn't aware of what's going on, South China is where all the factories are. And um, basically, they're trying to limit the amount of energy that's being used uh, because it's, for the most part, it's dirty energy. Um, all coal 
powered. So they, they kind of want to go towards the, the green energy. So in the south of China, there is a little bit more hydropower, but it doesn't have the infrastructure that they need for factories that make every anything from these watches to iPhones to the microprocessors that are that's used in cars and computers and things like that. So what they're doing is they're doing rolling blackouts by region. So it's not it's not even on a factory by factory basis or an industry basis. They're just this part of of China is going to be black, and then this part's going to be black, and then that part's going to be black, and they're just rolling that across the the entire country. Uh, which, I mean, here in California, we've seen that before uh, from from the wildfires. But you you would think that a country like China, which is literally the manufacturing powerhouse of the world, it's it's the last thing we'd expect to see. Um, but I think one of the reasons we are able to kind of push through this is because of our relationships with our suppliers. Uh, you know, obviously, there's nothing you can do when the government comes in and and shuts you down. But um, our relationship's pretty good with the people that we work with over there, um, to a point where they're they're able to at least give us information and give us a good idea of of when to expect all these things to go back to normal so that we can manage expectations on on our end and that's that's all thanks to Colin I I don't do any of that stuff yeah, and these are scheduled rolling blackouts, right? It's mm-hmm. not just like Tuesday morning you wake up and okay, it's they can they can plan around that. They just don't know how long it's going to last. Yeah, yeah. And Colin can correct me if I'm wrong, but I I get the sense that it is it's not like they get a lot of warning. It's like a couple of days before, and then it's mm-hmm. shut down for quite a few days. Um, and I said this on the previous podcast too, but the issue with this is that it's, I mean, ever since COVID is that when it comes to production, it's like stop and go and stop and go and stop and go. And mm-hmm. we learned really early on, we never want to enter manufacturing right before Chinese New Year, specifically because of this stop and go. Like this stop and go really screws things up um, in terms of the quality and the consistency of the finishing um, so this stop and go thing is really killing us now. Um, but, but luckily it's not like a month off, like it is during Chinese New Year. It's just, it's a few days, um, you know, maybe up to a week off before the workers can come back and, and do what they do. It, it seems like you guys sort of, um, load up your summer and, and fall in terms of release dates, right? So you're releasing watches late summer, early to late fall, uh, is that is that in part because of uh, Chinese New Year? That sort of big, you know. I I know Chinese New Year is is itself not that long, but the start and stop seems to cause as much as like a two month yes. delay there at the first at the beginning of the year. Are you is that sort of affecting your the way you guys release and manufacture watches? Yes, uh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, we just don't want to have something big be interrupted by China's New Year because workers start filtering out two weeks before it happens and they start coming back in like uh, they come in in waves and then a lot of times the workers don't even come back. They find other jobs. It's like the perfect time to go do something else. And then so then a lot of factories once Chinese once uh, uh, the holidays over and then work resumes, they don't have a lot of the same labor for the workforce that they had before the Chinese New Year. So they got to scramble to find people. They got to find people. They got to train people, like all that stuff. And that's why there's so much inconsistency and quality control issues um, surrounding Chinese New Year. Um, So we just want to avoid all that. Uh, And we try to start production like probably a few weeks or a month after Chinese New Year uh, is over. 
Um, that way we, we know that the factory at least has a workforce. We know that there's consistent, there's consistency involved. Um, and that's why you see a lot of releases in summer and then latter half of the year. Yeah, no, it, ma- it makes a ton of sense. And then you use that Delta for all of your, your R and D, your design, your, you kind of have your, your year phased out pretty clean in that way. I right? mean, we tried planning in 2020 and then we saw how that went. So yeah, 2020 went weird. And then 2021, <laughs> even this year was kind of weird. Um, so hopefully mm-hmm. 2022, we can stick to some sort of plan, Wes, uh, especially traveling, yeah. uh, notice tours, going to the South, going to the Midwest, like, like every year there's more and more places we, we got to go to. That's a good problem to have. Yeah. Pacific Northwest too. Oregon. Yeah. Eh, you could skip us. <laughs> We'd like to see it, but <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know, we hear a lot of brands talking about making their way to Oregon, but the only one we've ever seen here has been Vero. So, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. based here. Wells so, bro. Oh yeah. Wells, Wells bro too now. <laughs> so, uh, well, well, let's talk about let's talk about you guys twenty twenty one because it's been it's been a big one. You, you know, Andrew mentioned dropping new stuff and certainly new colorways um, and and iterations on existing stuff, right? So I know restock of the duality uh, earlier this year. Contrail three mm-hmm. came out. I think that was your first release of the year, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Con- Contrail um, two thirty nine, so it's the under Contrail the, two, yeah, yeah but yeah, the, yeah, sorry, but then it's the thirty nine, which is the fixed bezel version. The three is in the works. Contrail I two, I think you'll like that one a lot. Contrail two retrospect yes, yes. three, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the sector sport mm-hmm. with the the light blue and the and the salmon dial. Mm-hmm. What are we calling mm-hmm. that color? Salmon. Uh, salmon. Okay. Yep. We've got. Uh, the sector, the sector fields, mm-hmm. which just dropped here in the last two weeks. And then as you said, sector pilots coming. Yeah. Um, so sector dive comes up first. That'll be, I think, end of, end of next week or the week after that, um, something like that. And then the pilot will come after that. And then the Avalon two will come after that. So Avalon two will close out the, uh, the year. And the Avalon Two is that a re- that's a redesign, right? It Pretty much like everything about it's one, different. Everything's different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how you guys roll, though. You 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 make a whole new watch, and just keep the same name and keep it familiar. Mm-hmm. Like you, your it, your iteration it, designs are are they look the same and wind yeah. up being uh, and wind up being a significantly improved watch. That's been our experience, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, like with the Contra, with the Contra yeah. Two, that watch comes out and it w- turns out to be a totally different watch. And I think everybody I've spoken with agrees. Uh, you took a watch that was really good and made it into a watch that's really great. Well, our our job is really easy. Better. We we literally just have to go on our comment <laughs> section or DMs or on podcasts like this and listen to what people say, and then the instruction manual is all spelled out for us. We just do what people ask us to do. Well, we throw out half of it. And then, and then, well, yeah, you have to because some people are saying, oh, it's too thick, and other people are saying it's too thin. I mean, how do you balance that when you're looking at these iterative designs? I mean, do you, do you, like, do you just tally them out? Like, well, these 100 people said it needs to be a little bit shorter lug to lug. I mean, we'll, so we'll, we'll throw out the 20 people who said it needs a longer lug to lug. I mean, how do you, 
how do you incorporate that into into your design ideas because the loudest isn't necessarily the rightest Mm -hmm. and it seems like all your iterations are improvements so you're you're getting a you're doing it right in in whatever way you're listening to feedback and i'm just curious how you how you filter that feedback to actually like to to do a good job as opposed to overcorrect. Well, actually, a good example would be this uh, this watch I have on my wrist, which is the Sector Field Malibu. And um, mm. the, the when we first launched the Sector Field, it only came in no date. So a lot of people were complaining about how there's no date. So then we decided to add a date at 4.30. We took took that same uh, date window from the original Sector Dive, uh, where it's at 4.30, but it's kind of oriented upright, the, the numbers themselves. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So we did that on the second one, and then people were like, why'd you put the date at, at 4.30? So this time we just did both date and no date. So it's kind of um, kind of an exp- experiment for us to see what the reception is going to be and, and what the backlash will be this time. Uh, and then also right. the other thing people were asking for is to thin it out a little bit. Um, people had some some color requests. So we, we take it all into account. And uh, like Colin said, throw out pretty much half of it, the, the stuff that we can't really achieve or um, you know, if, if we just have too many colors or something, then we'll, we'll narrow it down. But we, we do try to listen to everyone at least and hear what they have to say. Yeah. How do you pare down color? You guys do so many colors. I can't believe what kind of weird color requests are you getting that you're actually pairing colors out? Oh man. I mean, to be honest, a lot of the, when it comes to colors, a lot of the suggestions are actually really, really cool. Uh, like I think, I think red is probably the new blue. So we have the the red field. We have a red dive coming up. Um, the Avalon Two will have a red version. So I I think we just try it, at least prototype it, and we ended up falling in love with it. So we we do just try to have it in hand before we really make a decision. Um, but a lot of the time, it just whatever feels right. Once we get all the you know four or five six prototypes, then wh- whichever one kind of feels the best or closest to what we're trying to achieve with that run, then we'll we'll run with that one. Matt Gray, Matt Gray. That's that's what Andrew wants in every watch. Every Matt watch, gray. black or gray, right now for me. Yeah, <laughs> red is the new blue. That's a hot take, and I'm I'm. I, I will contest that, but uh, if you're right, I don't know. I'll, I'll send you a beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, so l- let's talk a little bit about your guys' lineup because I think um, you, you know your lineup has been, I, I think, m- more or less set since you came out with the last sets mm-hmm. of Sector. I think it was Sector Sport was the last one that came out. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, and, and since then, your, your lineup has been, I don't want to say stationary because you've done flagships, a, a, a lot of a lot of neat things within that. Um, but now going on, I believe, over a year of that, um, how do you guys feel about where your lineup is? I, I mean, you've got a you've got a sort of entry level set of four very different watches uh, with the sector series. And I think that just that would be a lot um but in addition to that you've got you know your sort of pro i'm gonna say pro with finger quotes diver in the avalon you've got the dual crown diver in the duality you've got a just a wonderful dive style pilot watch in the contrail um how do you guys feel about the state of your lineup and and are you thinking right now about new things and i know you are but but do you think 
that where you're at right now is good for a period of time or, or do you see immediate needs to expand that? Well, I think there are definitely styles that need to be made. Um, you know, obviously we've been talking about the sector dress for a while. Um, and we, we still do want to do other like new fresh models. Um, we do have a new model coming out next year, which we can talk about a little bit later. But I think the reason you're seeing us start to slow down a little bit is because during 2020, Colin and I sat down and we realized we spent the first, I don't know, back then it was um, three years up until that point, three and a half years. The first three years of notice focusing so hard on the supply chain and, and trying to build the best watch possible um, as far as quality goes. And I think to a degree, at least within the realm of possibility, I think we've achieved that. Uh, and I, I'd be like, I wouldn't be nervous putting our watches next to a much higher end watch, quote unquote. And that actually came at, at a huge cost for us focusing so hard on, on trying to create such a great watch. And, and yeah. I think the, mm -hmm. the biggest cost for us was that we didn't spend any time doing real marketing and trying to spread the word of notice and, and tell the brand story really trying to convince people why we exist and what what's important about us. Why should they have a notice in their collection? We, we really should have spent more time doing that now in hindsight. Um, but I think moving forward, I think that's probably why we focus less on trying to design and, and create new models. People already know what we can do. They, they kind of know the models. They know the identity of the watch and of the brand. I think we just need to spread the word a little bit better moving forward. So we've, we haven't stopped trying to create, but we've just turned our attention a little bit for the time being. We're still going to have new watches coming out probably every year, but we're not going to do it like it was in 2018 where it was three new models. And then 2019 was like another three or four new models. You know what I mean? We're just going to slow down a little yeah. bit. Was any of that just kind of a convenient byproduct of the manufacturing halt that occurred over the last year and a half? Or was that was that kind of already in the works to, to have, you've got your flagship catalog now. I mean, you've got what, nine, eight watches. Damn, is it that many? Nine. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. You've, yeah. Got a, you've got a deep Damn. catalog and there's plenty of brands out there who are, you know, four four watches deep in their catalog and and they're holding steady there. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they might change the brace a little bit. They might make a couple tweaks, but I mean, you guys have a deep catalog. You're coming out with new colors all the time. Was that, was that kind of just a, like <clears throat> a, a good thing that came from COVID was right. that you had this manufacturing issue that you had to really sit down and look at your business model or was your goal to really just continue this breakneck pace of dropping new cool shit, three, four models a year, every year until, I mean, until Colin's fingers fell off. <laughs> I, I think it was always the plan to, to slow yeah. down and focus a little bit more on trying to tell the brand story and, and grow the business. But COVID definitely sped it up. We probably would have, mm -hmm. I mean, like Colin was saying, we had so many plans for 2020. And pretty much all of them went out the window. And what took place instead of what we were going to do, like go on all those tours and drop a sector dress and all that. I think a lot of introspection happened we were just thinking about what we really want to do with with notice and what our actual goals are beyond just like creating an awesome watch release it create an awesome watch release it we we just we had to slow down and think a little bit more long term i wouldn't say the manufacturing really hurt us like to, to the point where we couldn't follow through of a lot of the ideas that we had 
but it slowed us down just enough where we thought about it a little bit more internally and figured out what do we actually want to do with uh, with this brand. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I, I think we can't really achieve everything we want to achieve yet until we grow the the brand a little bit more and um, mm -hmm. just stop focusing so much on creating the best watches ever. You know what I mean? And also like, mm -hmm. it's like sure. nine or how many models we have, eight, eight, whatever, eight different meats. You just got to let them marinate. And then we got to digest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let them let them sit for a little bit. Yeah, we got to yeah. empty our stomachs, sit on the toilet, whatever. <laughs> and then those meats You've will You've got be... the weirdest analogies, man. I, I just think about food because I haven't eaten. I've been, I've been eating mush for the past five days. Cause... Right, anyways, I got my wisdom teeth taken out, so I, I can't eat. So I'm, I'm just dreaming about oh, steaks. Man. Uh, <laughs> you're looking really slim for having just had your wisdom teeth taken out i look i gained 55 pounds just in my face when i had mine removed <laughs> luckily today the day with podcast is so this is day five today is when the swelling actually went down a bit but man i looked like a freaking chipmunk like the past two days and yeah. it, <laughs> pain's still there I'm, I'm i'm high on drugs right now so i feel great that's why he's so friendly. <laughs> well, despite uh, despite Colin's colorful uh, descriptions for for what you're doing with your product lines, um, Wes, you you talked about something, and and I want to sort of uh, pull pull at that a little bit, uh, not specifically just from you, Wes, but mm -hmm. Colin as well. You, you've talked about sort of. Um, what do we want this brand to be? And we need to refocus on the brand and sort of um, get our names out there and communicate with people about who we are and what we are. Uh, do you think that you uh, you guys have gained some clarity in that regard? And, and if so, what are, what is the what, what is the message at this point for mm -hmm. for what notices and why I should have a notice? I, I do have a notice, but. Yeah, I, I think that that a is a couple that aren't his also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that is the first step to this entire exercise is, is me and Colin actually understanding and um, and kind of embracing what we were trying to achieve in the first place, because it's easy. Like we got super busy pretty much as soon as we launched our first watch and we didn't really have a chance to hang out as friends and talk about our dreams and our, our goals and with notice and in life. And when when we sold out of everything for the first time back in uh, I don't know some sometime last year it was the first time we had nothing to sell. It it was a very good time for us to just sit with ourselves in our own solace and just like think a little bit. So we uh, the the biggest question we had for each other was what what was really the inspiration? You know, like obviously we loved watches, we loved design, we loved tinkering with things, but what was the reason we started Notice? And like, what, what was a real inspiration for us? And for us, what it, what it was really about in the beginning is like with all of our hobbies, it was chasing our passions, right? When we picked up guitar for the first time, we never put it down again. You know, when we first started learning how to cook as, as children, now we now that that's all we do we are cooking all the time we love drinking beer we love crafting cocktails we love going to the gym like all these things that are kind of esoteric and and hard for the layman to really understand on a masterful level Colin and I just dive deep into these hobbies and 
that's what it really came I, you, down you to. You did say, so, yeah. so not to interrupt you because you're, you're flowing it and I appreciate it, but I'm not sure how esoteric drinking beer is <laughs> or how difficult for the land to understand. Well, the, the act of drinking <laughs> is easy. He's drinking a vanilla porter sure. right now. <laughs> the the act of drinking is definitely very easy to do. Um, but you, you know what I mean, though, to explain to someone what's an IPA versus a red ale versus an amber, like go into the history of all these things. Like that's what really makes this stuff interesting. And that's what makes us as people not not saying us, me and Cullen, but people in general. That's what make people interesting. Right. It's like it's the things that they're so deeply passionate about that they can just go on a on a long tangent without taking a breath, you know, sort of like what I'm doing right now. <laughs> but we, we wanted our wearers to embody that. They, we wanted them to understand why we started this and they themselves kind of be just unafraid of chasing those passions, even if it, if it doesn't make you money or if, it, if, it, everyone, if everyone laughs at you for doing that. You know, just if, if it's something that makes you happy, then that's probably the right decision to just chase it. Yeah. Oh, well, well, well I, I love that. And, and, and certainly that's, I think it's great life advice. I heard recently that if you, if you don't know what you should do when you grow up, uh, look at the people, you know, who are the most happy, uh, and figure out what they're doing and figure out a way to make that what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, or, 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 or whatever. And, and I think that from what I can tell, you guys are doing that. What does that mean for for your watches? What does that mean for Notice as a brand and the watch that I'm likely to receive from Notice? Well, I think a part of it isn't actually about the watches. Obviously, we, we do design our watches around certain concepts, right? Like we want the Avalon to be the watch that you take onto those crazy adventures when you're I don't know, rock climbing or, or going surfing or something. We want you to wear the sector sport when you're going to a nicer event, like, or if you go into like a cocktail party or something like that. We, we want those watches to be there for these things that you do in life. Um, but we also want to try to focus on other projects. Um, not, not to say we're going to stop selling watches. We're, we're probably just only going to sell watches, but we want to have like a, a vlog series that, or maybe not, vlog might not be the right word, but like a series of videos that, features people that I think kids that, call it TikTok these yeah. days. I call it I call well, it TikTok. a vlog. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> a vlog. Yeah. TikTok is it's a uh, is its own monster and we can talk about that later. But the um the idea that we had and we actually filmed our, our first one already. We're in the final stages of putting the just the final touches on it. But we want to basically feature people that have taken that leap and and just tried to create a life that they love, right? So the first guy, his name is Adam um, he's a craft cocktail mixologist slash bar manager, and he used to be a psychology professor. So great paying job, steady income, health benefits and all that. But he quit that. The timing actually was horrendous because he quit before COVID was even on, on U.S. soil. So he quit and then didn't get any. Oh, God. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but he, he took that leap and ended up running this bar in Culver City, which is actually where we ended up hosting the event last week as well. Um, but we basically detailed his life. It's not a super long video. It's going to probably be under five minutes. Um, but we have a lot of ideas for other people that do something like that. Like we have a, a, a guy that ended up becoming head chef of Kispaka, which is this insanely great Italian restaurant uh, here in LA, we uh, there's no shortage of stand-up comedians and musicians here that are doing the same thing, just taking a leap, taking a huge risk, trying to pursue their passions and and just create a life that they actually love instead of selling their soul to the man. 
Reminds me of Jack and, Black. And how does that? And and how does that affect? How does that affect you guys then? What you're doing? What your your brand? Your customers? How does that affect them? Because I think it sounds great, mm-hmm. but uh, but in in a business sense, how how was that becoming part of your brand? I think just having a reason. So th- this is why we spent so much time early on focusing on creating just the best watch we can, because the reason for doing something like this is a, l- a little bit hard to explain. Um, but if you think about it from like, I, I can recontextualize it in, in the context of Rolex, for example, right? Like why does Rolex sponsor like equestrian sports and swimming? Why, why does Tag Heuer sponsor F1? They do that because I, I mean, it's obviously a marketing thing, right? But they want these activities, these sports to be associated with their brand. That's not really something that we could even access, even if we had the capital to sponsor like, like F1 or something, but that's not even good enough for us. Like that's not specific enough for us. We, we want our message to really be distilled down to create a life that you love. And we hope that you wear a notice watch while you do that, right? We, we want our, our watches and what they're capable of and what they're designed to do. We want that it's in itself to be an inspiration for the people that buy our watches to be unafraid to, to do that, to chase their passions. So if you, if you don't have the capital to sponsor F1, that's fine. There are dudes who, who mod <laughs> lawnmowers and they race riding lawnmowers. Yeah. And those guys are happy. You could probably, probably, I mean, they probably put notice stickers on their lawnmowers for free. Um, but I'm, so in that, <laughs> you, you guys, I mean, you're more than, a, than, than hobbyists diving into that. And I think that's one of the things that separates you from a lot of brands that have blown up in the last or not just blown up but I, I mean in the explosion of brands that have come to fruition in the last three to five years a lot of hobbyist people who had the capital or who had the access to capital to be able to make a brand work mm-hmm. and i think you're kind of you're you're hitting the the mental part on how you were able to transition from hobbyists but i want to hear more about how how you guys really made that jump from watch enthusiasts to a very, very viable, I mean, pillar in the micro brand world because it's super saturated. It's extremely competitive and you guys have absolutely made it work. What was, what's the secret sauce there that you guys were able to find early on and stick to, and you're, you're, you're clearly evolving throughout. And I think being nimble is a part of that, but what's, what's been your secret sauce in that being primarily enthusiasts besides Colin smile. Cause yes. we've already talked about that yeah, clearly his, uh, his fingers. No, I like, I like the term <laughs> Andrew, uh, uh, sauce. Cause again, going back to mm-hmm. marinades and meats. And food. <laughs> Here we but, are. Uh, no, no. Um, I mean, I think I think Wes definitely played the biggest role in all that, which was connecting people together, um, and then just us two just being ourselves. I guess like we're we're, uh, we're not trying to be pretentious. You know, we're not trying to have like an air of I don't know snobby some snobbiness around us. Like we just. We're just like everyone else. We just want to chill and have a drink and talk watches. And I think that helped us a lot. Would you say, Wes? And then. Yeah, I think so. 
you know, yeah, I, it's, I, I, I think the, the more saturated it is, like the more competition there is, the more authentic you have to be. Yes. I think it, it, it speaks volumes when you're just true to yourself. Mm-hmm. And like we own all these other brands that people would probably deem as competitors to us, but we don't see it like that. Um, we own all the, all the brands and we, we love them just as much. So maybe that has a part to play in it. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I think just to, to distill it down to like one or two sentences, I think is just we were authentic from the very beginning, um, you know, sometimes to our detriment. Sometimes I, I think I would say some things that rub a lot of people the wrong way. Um, but end of the day, like that's just that's who we are. So the, the people that that like to wear our watches, I think, can see that. And the ones that don't doesn't, you know, doesn't really matter too much. So it's really just being like really leaning into who we are and what why we start doing this and the things that we like. And then what we're doing now is just we're so, trying to capture that and what into the, into our message, right? Of what we were just talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, how do you capture that essence and like, you know, pour it onto someone when they go onto a website or yeah. when they mm-hmm. first hear about us? How how they know immediately of, of what we're about? So that's what we're working yeah, on. Yeah, I, right I think. Well, yeah, on, on the what surface, I'm uh, is a little. Sorry, go ahead. What I'm hearing a little bit is that, in order to be a successful watch brand, you have to be insanely cool. Because <laughs> I think that's kind of where you guys are coming from. I'm right? hearing we're cool. People like us. <laughs> that's that's all I heard. No, they didn't ever say once. They kind of alluded to it that they also make really good shit because they circled back. Yeah. If, if you if you hear what they said, they make really good shit. You, you know, you, you, you Wes, you talked about it a little bit, and I think you're sort of trying to downgrade it a little bit. I think a huge part reason for you guys' success is that you're making, you know, five hundred to eight hundred dollar watches that are really sort of part by part superior to a lot of the other products you know we see we see a lot of micro brand watches and a lot of them are very good um and and, but i don't know that that always matters but consistently part for part your guys's watches are always just a little bit more thoughtful right you Mm -hmm. you know looking at the clasp of my sector diver um which is the original release so we know it's been improved since then you know that that the bracelet's phenomenal right that h-link bracelet is is just wonderful uh the watch in and of itself isn't anything really crazy right you've got those bombay lugs on sector series which i think are great um everything's just a little bit different but when you get to the clasp the clasp from the outside is the clasp okay this is a two-button clasp but then you open it up and you realize this is a totally designed part uh, looking at the inside of that clasp, which is the old clasp, um, which has been improved upon. Uh, but looking inside that clasp, you can tell you designed every part, even the part that that doesn't need to be designed, right? This the whole thing. So I know that you're you're sort of um, trying to put the attention away from that a little bit. But I think that you can't. You, you I, I think that for me as a consumer. I can't separate the two. That that is what you guys do, right? You make just the best shit, not the best shit, right? You guys get it. You you get what I'm saying. But you, every every part of the watch is care, carefully put together. Yeah, I, I think on the surface, a watch company should sell watches, right? But I think we've learned mm-hmm. over the past few years that that doesn't have to be the case. 
case in point being Rolex. They don't actually sell any watches. Everyone knows that. But They sell seven a year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but for us, obviously, selling watches is a part of our business model. It, I, I would argue it's probably the main part of our business model. But end of the day, a watch is an emotional purchase. So yeah, we strive to create the best parts and the best designs and, and the best loom application, best clasp and all that stuff. And it's, it, it is very important. But the very fact that it's an emotional purchase means that there's a lot more value that we can deliver after that, you know, whether it's in the content that we produce or just our, our warranty process or the fact that we have a warranty at all that we honor, um, you know, the, the things that are surrounding the watch, everything around the watch that's notice that notices touch, that's equally important. And I think we really didn't pay enough attention to that kind of stuff early on. You know, like we, our content game has been on and off. We haven't done any vlogs yet. We haven't, we haven't done a lot of the things that we wanted to do, but just didn't have the time to do. Um, but you know, now like you're alluding, a lot of the legwork has been done already. We did a lot of the R and D for this new extension clasp that we're going to be putting out end of the year. So a lot of the hard work has been done when it comes to the watch itself, but now we have to kind of focus on the hard work as it, as it pertains to actually telling the story about how we do these things, why we do these things. That's, that's great. What, what do you guys got next? I know you, you said maybe earlier there was some stuff that you, you'd be comfortable sure. talking about. What, what do you guys have next? I, we know that, uh, we know that the sector dives are coming. We know that the new sector pilot mm. is coming. Um, what else is in the, what else is in the, in the, uh, hopper in terms of pipeline watches? Shoot. Pipeline shoot. Yeah. Lower intestine. If we're staying with the food metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> Avalon too. Uh, so that'll debut with that new class we were talking about. So it has the on-the-fly adjustment, uh, which is like super important if you ever wore, if you wear metal bracelets a lot. It's uh, yeah, your wrist mm -hmm. swells. You gotta, you gotta change the size on the fly. Otherwise, it just gets uncomfortable. And then, uh, and taking it off to adjust sucks. Well, yeah. yes, big time. And then with the Avalon uh, 2, we also are going to debut a new case material that we never used before. It's not new to the watch industry, but it's, it is bronze. So we are excited about that as well. Um, uh, let's see. I think, I think the Avalon's a perfect sort of form yes. factor for a bronze yeah. watch. too. The bronze one has some magic sauce on it. <laughs> I'm wearing it right now, actually, so... We'll, we'll send you guys ooh, one when ooh. it's like, uh, my camera sucks, but. It's a potato butt. That looks fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I never would have guessed that was bronze until it got right up yeah. to the camera. <laughs> yeah. Then going into 2022, um, we do have a new model. Fuck. I mean, kind of. It's like, it's kind of a new model. It's a new model inspired by an old model, um, but it's very different. And I can't say too much about it because it's not... Um, well, it's not done yet. We don't actually know what it looks like yet. Um, but it will be small. It'll be the smallest watch we've ever made. Uh, 10, 10 and a half millimeters thin. Um, cool box, materials as well. Box crystal. Uh... Yeah. Well, there's only one model we haven't talked about tonight. And I'm not going to say the word because I think it'll make you mad. But am, am, I, am I going down the right, the right path here? No, but I can see why you would think that. And it's... I'll, okay. I'll say that okay. Okay. this this watch won't be called that watch, but it's what that watch should have been. 
And I, I'll send you pictures privately. I think you'll in, in our uh, WhatsApp. And I think you'll know exactly I like what it. I mean. Yeah. I'm getting shivery. Just <laughs> I know. This excitement. is exciting. This is exciting. Well, great, you guys. I'm so excited for what you guys are doing. I'm so excited to see what you guys do. I'm excited for this vlog, this vlog uh, to come out and see what you guys do with that medium. Um, Andrew, anything else you want to ask these guys before we before we move on? What's going on with the sector dress? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, going. I mean, <laughs> it, it's, it's in the works. It's in the works. It's hard. Right. It's I'm hard, intrigued. man. Yeah. Well, I, I can imagine trying to, because my, my, my expectation based off of the sector series is that you're trying to build a dress watch, watch off of that yes. case platform. Mm-hmm. That's hard because that's a, that's a hard dress watch platform to work from for a truly traditional dress watch. And I know I know your guys's commitment to a little bit edgy, but staying within the parameters of this is the type of watch that we're designing and we're not going to make a 32 millimeter pilot's watch because pilot's watches don't come in 32 millimeters. So I, I, I appreciate I think, I mean, I don't fully appreciate because I'm not doing the, the work on it, but I, I appreciate the challenge that that presents. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, if you or literally anyone listening to this podcast right now has any suggestions or cool ideas for us, then email or DM or something. Just but let, let us know what you're thinking. It'll help us a lot. You guys, before we move on to other things, anything you want to add? Nah, this was fun. I, I mean, I always love catching yeah. up with you guys. Um, I know Everett, we're, we're chatting a little bit more regularly now, but it, it's good to be in like a, in a podcast setting with you guys. Hopefully we can do one in person when, when the world opens up again. I need another excuse to drive you, you up know, to Seattle. So it'd be fun to stop by. We, we will, we're, we're a really good pit stop on the way to Seattle. We, we've, got, we've got guest beds, both of us. Mm-hmm. We live on the same street, literally across the street from one another. So... Makes makes just a ton of sense to make this year halfway point. Yeah. It's not halfway, so that's the only real kicker in, in making it a halfway <laughs> point, but yeah, I it's mean, a good pit stop. It's like yeah. from L- yeah, It's no, two-thirds I, the way. Yeah, two-thirds of the yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I did that trip. drive yeah. last year, and it, it was really not that bad because of how beautiful that drive is. So, Yeah. Yeah, it gets a little weird in a few places, but yeah, it's a, it's a great drive. Yeah. Well... M- Moving on to other things, other things, Andrew, what do you got? So I talked about this a little bit last week, but this is my full-blown other thing for the week. This isn't the unboxing. This is the review. This is it. Uh, So I bought the remastered Tony Hawk. No, I was about. This is my other things. He stole it from me. (laughs) Dude, no, we can share this other thing. It's (laughs) so good right so i grew up playing this game i have i have like vivid memories of playing this game before school like peeking out the window waiting for the bus like to see it coming down the street when i saw it pause slam the tv off and sprint for the bus (laughs) i remember this and i've been playing it with my six-year-old and he's a little younger than i was when it came out but he's playing it and loving it and today west came over my my eight year old. Yeah. So so the the boys are on my couch, playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater One at the warehouse, yeah. which is the level. It's, it's the, the original level. level, 
It's it's level one of Tony Hawk. It's it's it. It's the it's the debut of Tony Hawk, and they're playing it. And I was just I was watching them and looking at the screen, and I was like, "This is amazing!" Just marveling I, at the full circle at nature the, of at, the, at the strange full circle. Because whoever would have thought that Tony Hawk Pro Skater would have been revived? I, I'm glad they did it, and there's no reason not to revive it. But I'm kind of excited at the prospect of revival. Like OG games, you, you know, we came from that generation where I think probably graphics and game mechanics, you, you know, the the intersection between the two, um, really, you, you know, hit their apex. And you, you know, whereas graphics have come a long way, I think game mechanics in many ways have regressed. You, you know, that sort of late '90s, early 2000s period game mechanics really had. Uh, a golden era there and obviously mm-hmm. they've improved in, in subtle ways but yeah i think it makes a ton of sense that games from that era would now have a second opportunity with modern graphics engines and, and yeah and and the soundtrack is the same i think it was like 40 bucks it might have even been less it might have been like 30 bucks for the xbox one this is maybe the best video game purchase i've ever made it's both games, and it's exactly the way you remember it. Even with, so because of the way graphics have progressed so gradually, the graphics as I see them now are as good as I remember them when yeah. the game released. Because <laughs> when the game released, you're like, oh, this is cutting edge. I'm sure if you looked at the original graphics, you'd be like, what the? That, yeah, I like that. That was awesome. That's a cube, but that's not a head. <laughs> <laughs> but it's exactly as you remember it and you play a couple rounds and suddenly like the rust is gone and you're just as good as you remember yourself being dude it's so good is, is this so if um, you have one of these platforms, is this remastering thing a new phenomenon because colin and i were talking about how there really aren't that many new games coming out they're all kind of like just remastering like gta is another example or the halo series they're all just being remastered yeah. and, and relaunched it's easier, I think, probably. Yeah. You don't have to reinvent a wheel. You just have to redo the... You just have to re- rewrite it. You, you know, Wes, I think it does have something to do with the with, with the relative lack of improvement in mechanics, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, a lot of people will say, in many ways, game mechanics have, have regressed, right? Because of the focus on uh, graphical gameplay, the game mechanics wind up taking a hit. Mm. Uh, so I think it's got something to do with that, actually. Um, what we're seeing, you know, Tony, the mechanics in Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 in particular, I think even more so than one, were just so intuitive. And you could really, you know, even going back a little bit further, right? Street Fighter 2, that game came out and that is still today, maybe maybe the Turbo, uh, Street Fighter 2 Turbo, um, but that is still today the model for just about every mm-hmm. fighting game right. that's ever ever come out right we you had that moment in time where everything just sort of came together and and i think what we're seeing now is these companies sort of you, you know reissuing we just did mm-hmm. our the issues with reissues uh <laughs> you know episode but reissue watches i think are sort of the same thing recognizing that hey there was a moment when watches were as good as they were ever going to get and it makes sense for us to go back to that. I think maybe a similar thing, obviously not exactly the same. A similar thing is happening with video games where we're seeing that era is when we really hit peak game mechanics. But there's also a really good marketing strategy here. I mean, the, the people who have kids of yeah. early video game age 
are the people who grew up on video games. The people right. who grew up on video games, like the, the people in charge at EA and Activision grew up on Tony Hawk Pro Skater mm. 1. So there's a sure. nostalgia as well. They might have been a little older, but there's something there. There's that nostalgic grab where it's like, I'm playing Tony Hawk 1 with my six-year-old. Right. Mm-hmm. When I, I, like, I grew up on this game, and now he is. Yeah. There's something there, too, in the, in the, in the reissuing of games. Well, that's great. I'm into it. I need to get a copy. D- yeah, check it out. If you have... I mean, it's on PS5 and Xbox One... Is there, I don't know, is there an Xbox after Xbox One? Uh, heck of a Is there an Xbox Two now? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not cool enough to know. I'm just cool enough to have one and play Tony Hawk One on it. <laughs> well, so I've got another thing. My other thing's a show, and this is a show, I think sort of like Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2, right, where people were talking about this a, a few weeks ago, um, and it took me a little while to get there. But I started... Uh, just this last weekend, I started watching Squid Game, which is this Korean uh, show that's been ported to Netflix. And um, it, you know, when you when you're sort of watching the trailers or kind of trying to figure out what it is or even reading about it, um, I, I think it's like so many television shows where it's a little hard to get a feel for for what what it's going to be. Uh, so I started. I watched the first episode, and it was instantly like, "Oh man, this is really special. This is a really." uh dynamic and fun um and fluid thing they've got going on so i think i'm now five episodes into squid game and i am like as i record with you guys like sort of hoping we can wrap this up so i can go home and watch (laughs) the next episode of squid game because it is so stinking good it's not true i want to hang out with you guys all night but uh, it's like that that show that I'm like looking forward to going home and kicking off my shoes and cracking a beer and starting the next episode. Uh, I don't want to say too much about it because I think that there's a lot. Um, the, each show sort of develops the storyline in a way that you maybe wouldn't have expected based on episode one. And the tile keeps changing. Yes. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Have Have you watched it? No, Sam watched some of it. And she says she didn't like it, and which means I can't watch it when I'm with her and the kids have been home. So I can't watch it with them because I understand I should not watch it with children present. You probably shouldn't. Yeah, and then it's noteworthy, right? Sam didn't like it. I think Sam probably didn't like it for maybe some of the reasons. We don't I like don't a lot like of the it. same shit. Like we we have very few shows that we can. Jen, have you guys watched it at all? Wes, Colin. Yeah, yeah. I'm on episode uh, episode four now. I finished it. Okay, so we're. We're right about the same place. And Colin, you finished it. And, and does it stay as good? Uh, there are one, two episodes that are pretty slow, but it's it's definitely necessary to tell the story. Um, last episode goes a bit slow, but um, I'm not going to, I don't want to divulge too much. But uh, yeah, I, I think I finished most of it in like one day. <laughs> like it was, it was that yeah, addicting. It, it, it's what happens it's, when you're shackled to a bench. Yes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yes. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> so, you, so 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 are you able to watch television, uh, Colin? When you're like uh, doing QC on watches, are are you, is, is no, that something you? Can I, do I can't sometime? watch not subtitled no, television. No, I definitely can't watch, but I can. I I listen to a lot of music and uh, podcasts. Okay. I I need background noise, otherwise okay. I go insane. Um, but yeah, Squid no, Game. You you is it Squid Game or Squid Games? 
I guess the 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 uh, Netflix title has it as Squid okay, Game. Got it. Yeah, it's just got one it. game. It's just although it's multiple games. So just basic premise: if you're sitting at home, uh, these are folks uh, folks in Korean society who, for whatever reason, have fallen on primarily financially difficult times um, and uh, get recruited to do this thing. They don't really know what it is. And if you know anything about the show, you you can surmise that shit gets weird really quick. Um, oh. And and that's it. I think that's all I would tell you about I'll, it. But I'll read the Netflix synopsis. Hundreds of cash-strapped players accept a strange invitation to compete in children's games. Inside, a tempting prize awaits with deadly high stakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that was more eloquent than the way I said it. I know. It, so. That's kind of how I speak, just very eloquently. And yeah. <laughs> so, so, Squid Game, check it out, gentlemen. Wes, Colin, I don't, I don't, wanna, does one of you have another thing? Yeah, well, mine, mine was Squid Game, but I was debating between that one and um, <laughs> usurped the. What is going and on? And this is yeah, this wasn't coordinated for all the the listeners. There's there's definitely more than two other things, but um, I'm I'm rotating between Squid Game and another show on Netflix as well called You. Have you guys seen that? It just oh, usurped Squid Game for the most viewed in a like, so Squid Game for the last three weeks has been the number mm-hmm. one watched show. Yeah, it was the number one show in a day, and you just Wes, usurped. I'm it. on, yeah. I'm on so, episode four. Yeah. Catch up, bro. Okay. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> you is basically about a uh, a guy who's very obsessive, and but he's a fucking psychopath. Yeah. He's a creepster, and he becomes obsessed yeah. with um, with women that he crosses paths with. Ends up collecting a bunch totally of their normal. crap and uh, and stalking them, and uh, a yeah. lot of really wacky shit happens after that. This season is ridiculous. Like it's unusual behavior. Yeah, I mean, episode is it one, good? Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, I felt like like last season maybe took a little bit of a step back in terms. It's, of it's getting. Yeah. I think it's getting worse to be honest, but it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> Like they <laughs> episode to, one was yeah. like episode one could have been an entire like uh, season, right? Like so much happened in episode yes. one, though. That's what I'm saying. It's yes. like it's like everything packed into to one episode. So it's like how where do they go from here? And I'm slowly finding that out because I'm also about episode four on that one. So I'm, I'm rotating between the two. You know, it's, it's a little bit, you know, it's a young series, but it feels a little bit like uh Oh, what's the the name of the show where everybody goes to hell? The Good Place. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit like The Good Place, where the you know you watch one season and you're like, well, how the how the hell could they do another season? Yeah, and then they just take the same or formula, things. yeah, and and sort of tweak it and make a totally compelling new story <laughs> with the same elements. Uh, yeah, it's it's really good. I've really enjoyed it so far. So. Uh, I guess I can talk about Tony Hawk. <laughs> yeah, Colin. <laughs> Colin, what you got, man? I mean, I grew up with it as well. Like, I remember playing 1 and 2. Uh, vaguely, I was really young with 1 and 2, but then 3 and 4 I beat as, like, a child. So I have all these memories of 1 and 2, um, and I've only... Okay, I don't remember this. I don't remember the game being so short. Because I feel I've already like beat the both one and two, and I, I played it for like like all achievements and like, everything. You know, every level has a goal. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's only I like know. seven. It's it's, it's fast. fast. It's like four hours of gameplay. Honestly, yeah. 
per skater. Oh, you but, gotta do it with each yeah. skater. Okay. I, I couldn't even figure out how yeah. to choose a skater. I, it just maybe made me Tony Hawk and then I just I was just Tony Hawk. Oh, you just push you push Y and you <laughs> I'm on a switch, it. so I don't know I don't know how to do it. <laughs> I, I don't know what button Y is on a switch. <laughs> it's probably triangle. Yeah. Um That's PlayStation. But the game is freaking sick. I, I love these types of games. Uh there was definitely a heyday for these extreme well, I wanna say extreme, but these these types of sports games in the early two thousands. You had Tony Hawk, you had Mm-hmm. Uh, was it 1080 or, or like you got all these? Yeah. Oh God, dude, I played the. And then shit you had the, the 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 the, the Wave game. Runner, uh, yeah. 64. Like all, all yeah. these like cool sports games that just you don't find anymore. But then now you see like um that that one extreme that biking game. Fuck, what's it called? Uh, mm-hmm. Do you remember what it's called? It, no, not Subic, which is a great game. It's not that I I know what you're talking about, but I can't. But I, can't I feel place like it right now. these things are all making a comeback. It's just interesting seeing the uh, the, the trends and, and and the cycles of things. I want to see some like, what was that boxing game on sixty four, where you fight like the monster announcer at the end? Gosh, it wasn't no Mike Tyson's Super Knockout? Was it N- not Mike? No, Tyson. no, no, no. It was the competitor to it. It was something like. Uh, Oh gosh, I don't know the guy who's always who, who asked. I can't remember his name for some reason right now. But the announcer, the Bruce super Buffer, fan, yeah, Bruce Buffer at the end of the game turns into like the Hulk and like bursts <laughs> out of his suit, and you fight him at the conclusion of the game, and you fight all these like pseudo monster boxers who are like people but monsters. That's great too because Bruce Buffer is one of those people. He's like suspiciously yoked underneath his tuxedo <laughs> yeah. jacket, right? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, well. Fantastic. So so we've talked about all of the changes in notice in the last year. We've talked about the brand direction that you guys are going to go. We've talked about Tony Hawk twice. We've talked about Squid Game. Fantastic, fantastic Squid Game. We've talked about... Wes, what was your oh, other it's thing? I've you. already forgotten. Oh, yeah. We've talked about you. Anything else, Andrew, that you think we need to add before we wrap for the day? Last thing. It's called Ready to Rumble Boxing. I hope they do a remake of that. It seems like it's in the in that prime uh, in that prime timeline for peak game mechanics, as I've as I've clearly laid out the case for tonight. It, it certainly is, and the the photo tile, the shopping photo tile I found for it, is from a website called DK Oldies. On ready to rum, ready to rumble. That was one of the Dreamcast boxing games. Dreamcast. I played That's, that on the Dreamcast. It's on Dreamcast. Yeah, I think I. I Afro th- Afro Thunder. Yeah, Afro Thunder. He's he's on the cover. Man, he had like ninety inch. Fantastic. Man, yeah, who had a Dreamcast? <laughs> I did. I had a Dreamcast. I had one too. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm. I think I'm older than you guys though. So like, I had a Dreamcast that I like went to the store and purchased with oh. my own money. I did as well. <laughs> Because I think I'm the old, I'm the grandpa of the you, group. You are, but I also bought one. It had the most ergonomic <laughs> controller of all time. Really? It's a good controller. I don't remember yeah. the controller. It's a good controller, yeah. Yeah, look it up. Look it's it's up a little later. blocky. It's, nice. it's kind of H-shaped. Mm. Yeah, a little blocky. But they had these great little modules that you stuck in the controller that has second display. Are you guys telling me that the N64 controller is not the best ergonomically designed controller of all time? Yes, you know, huge fan of the N sixty four, but I don't, I don't get the long lasting appeal to that. The, the grip, the grip change that required to use a D pad versus the stick made you need no three sense. Three hands for it. 
exactly you, you that's the hand. problem yeah. you need a third left hand is what you need you just or a second left hand is what yeah uh <laughs> gents anything else you want to add before we go uh no just keep in touch we're we're gonna get the notice tours back on the road as soon as we can um probably early 2022 and uh, if we're coming well there city, are then we want to see you there are four four watch people in eugene so this is a must uh, a, a must stop location for you guys we know them too so we can we can get you the hookup <laughs> we could probably force them to come <laughs> well you guys this has been really great we appreciate you coming back uh and joining us for this three-year anniversary show uh you guys are always welcome and we're so uh honored that you'd spend your evenings with us yeah thank you guys hopefully we'll come back for uh, your fourth birthday too Oh, that's that's so sweet. That'd be awesome. You're invited. So yeah, you're invited <laughs> in advance. Andrew, last words. Am I gonna die? Maybe. <laughs> oh. Put me on the spot like that. Now nah, I'm out of things. Hey, thanks you guys for joining us for this third anniversary episode of 40 and 20 the Watch Clicker Podcast. Check us out on Instagram at 40 and 20 at Watch Clicker. You can also check out notice at notice. It's where they post all their new releases and all the good stuff. Uh, and you can check them out on their website, which will be in the show notes. But honestly, just Google it. Yeah. If you want to check us out on our website, watchclicker.com, that's where we post weekly reviews and articles and every single episode of this podcast. If you want to support us, you can do so at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. Honestly, guys, it's so nice that so many of you have decided to support us. But we do need that money for things like mics and mixing boards and hosting fees so if you'd like to do so we'd appreciate it and don't forget to tune back in next thursday for another hour of watches food drinks life and other things we like bye-bye <laughs>